Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. All right, let me, let me tell you before we jump in today, I have a few things to talk about. Really exciting things. Uh, first of all, if you're, you kind of came in after that first song or so and you're a first-time guest, uh, there's a QR code on the screen behind me right now. Oh, I was, I was quick on you, too quick on you. Um, fill that uh, Connect card out for us so we can get to know you and meet up with one of our team members at the Greenery Wall in the lobby before you leave today to get a gift for being with us today. Also, our outreach um, efforts here in this community. I love where we are in this city because God's put us here to make a difference in this city. How many know we don't exist for ourselves? But, um, and, and so one of the ways that we're doing that this Christmas is Angel Tree. Ever heard of it? Hands up if you heard of Angel Tree. What Angel Tree is, if you're not familiar, it provides Christmas presents for kids who um, their families might not can afford Christmas this year. And so that's what we're doing. So out, one of those Christmas trees, I think it's the one on your left near the restrooms when you leave today, there'll be somebody there taking registration. You can pick one of those angels off the tree and there's a, a Christmas list on those and you can provide Christmas for a kid right here in around our building in this community. Isn't that awesome? And so maybe if you want to give, you say, well, I, I don't know if I, I, if I can afford that this Christmas. Get, go in with two or three more people and make, make Christmas happen for somebody. It's really cool. And, and so don't just go grabbing angels during the week. You got to have, you got to register with it. Okay, so make sure that an outreach team member out there the tree and uh, get your name attached to an angel, okay? And then we'll do that today and for the next two Sundays. The, and the December the 14th will be the last day that you can actually drop off gifts. Don't wrap them, right? Leave them unwrapped and drop them off at the, um, at, well, the outreach team will set up in the lobby to receive gifts, okay? That's an awesome way to serve people, awesome way to love on people this Christmas. And uh, just make somebody's kids Christmas. That's just awesome. There's no better way to do it. Um, and now, let me, let me tell you, I told you, I told you online, I think I put on social media this week, I got some big news. Woo! Some exciting news. Woo! And y'all know when I get excited, I start jumping up here. It's a good thing somebody, whoever built this, did a good job. But, uh, you know, the Lord gave us, um, who remembers 2020. Somebody says, you know, we're about 2023. I'm still processing 2020. I'm not ready for this. 2020 was a challenge, wasn't it? And for a lot of churches, it was a challenge. Um, and, but God has been faithful and he's been good. And, and the year 2020, when everything, the world was falling apart and we got kicked out of our movie theater on the south side of town. And, did, you know, we met online for eight months in houses and watching TV. Who got tired of that after a while, you know? And, uh, and so... The Lord, in his own way, just led us to this building on the west side of Savannah. And it's the, this building has a name. We call it affectionately the warehouse. If you say, I'm going to run down to the church and grab something, I'm going to say, you're the church. That's the warehouse. Okay? So this is the warehouse. And the vision for this thing from the very beginning, and we've been in a two-year lease We've made this place kind of to, to fit what we need, what, what the Lord has been doing through, through us here and in us here. And, and so um, we, we, the vision was this. It was to have a, a, a hub. 
And it still is the vision that this, everything that happens in here on a Sunday is not the main event. Again, y'all being awful quiet today. I mean, is this the first time y'all hearing this stuff? <laughs> the warehouse is a hub for our houses, our communities, our AKA house churches. This is the rally. What happens in this building is the equipping and what we exist to do. Before God ever gave us this building, what we exist to do is to be a shipping organization. Yeah. I'm more interested in sending people out than I am in getting people in. Now, we got to get them in, and that's part of our assignment. But if we get them in and keep them, that's not our assignment. Our assignment is to ship you out, to ship me out, to ship us out, equip, to train, and then empower people to go be Jesus where God's called them. God's not called you just to a building. God's called you to your workplace, to your family, to the community that you live in. This is a tool to equip and train and send. That's all this building is. And so we've been, we've been here for, for two years and praying about like, what, is this, what does this look like, Lord, in our city? Like, what does this, if we're to be a hub for homes, if we're to be a hub for serving our city, if we're to be a hub for what's coming down the road, then what does this look like? Is this the place? There were so many prophetic words and so much like just crazy stuff that God did that confirmed that we were supposed to be here. And we're like, so does that expire with a two-year lease? <laughs> like does prophetic words expire with a, with a lease or how does that work? And so we've been praying into this and as a team really just going after the Lord with it about like, what, what do you want, Jesus? Because how many know it's not about us. It's about what he wants. And so... um. The big news is, is as of right now, we own a warehouse. So God is faithful. God is faithful. And he can out dream. You can't out dream God. You can't out give God. He's just going to blow your minds no matter what you're doing. If you're, if you're following him. And so that's just awesome, isn't it? I'm so pumped about this. And, uh, you know, nothing changes about our vision. Nothing changes about what God's called us to. It's, there's something about ownership that's important. And what this is doing is it's calling us all to another level of, listen, Jesus, I just see this picture. Jesus got his foot on the gas pedal right now, and he's about to kick it to the floor. Okay. And so we need to be prepared for that in the way that we give and the way that we serve. And I'm going to tell you this. It's because of God's faithfulness that we are where we are. Yeah. But I'll tell you this too. This is just the floor. Right. This is just the foundation of what God wants to do at the dwelling church and in this city of Savannah yeah. and beyond. But it's because of people like you that gave for five years. Some of y'all been here from the very first day and you've faithfully served people, and you've shown up and created spaces for people to encounter God, to discover their identity in Him and fulfill their purpose, to get plugged into family. There are people in this room right now that found family for the first time, that found meaningful friendships and relationships in this building or in a home, in a community. And it's because somebody showed up to create a space on Sundays. And, uh, and it's people like you that, that just give faithfully. And so, number one, just thank you. 
And I want you to hear the Lord say, well done, but you're not done, right? I feel like that's the, that's the thing. Well done, dwelling church, but you're not done yet. And, uh, and so it's exciting. Are y'all pumped about it? So exciting. But it's not just that we've got a building now. It's that we are tapping into a legacy. And if you've been around me lately, you've heard me use that term legacy a lot. God just got my mind there. And, and I just want to give uh, acknowledgement to something that the Lord started here long before we ever showed up. Before we ever started having church in this warehouse, there was a church that met here and started something that we got to pick up on. And before that, there was a church that started something that we got to pick up on. But before that, there was a family who laid a foundation, literally built this building. Mr. Ernie Sims was his name, and he built this business that I, I love this. I love just the picture. I just see the Lord in this, is that what happened in this building where engines were restored for use again. It was a machine shop. And what the Lord's called us to do is people come in here broken and they're worn out and that we get to lift them up. Even on the, uh, Mr. Bill's telling me how they used to hoist up the engines in there and drain them out in the, where the coffee bar is. And that's what we do. We lift people up. And let the Lord heal them and let the Lord do what he wants to do. And by the time they make their round in here, they're, they're ready to be sent out again. That's the vision. And I just love how it's even in the place itself. And so the legacy that we're tapping into is bigger than us. And I love that it goes back to that. And, and uh, we've got Diane and Bill, uh, the children of Mr. Ernie, uh, are here today, and uh, and their family are with them today. Can y'all just stand up real quick so we can just acknowledge you? We're so glad you're with us today. In this in this whole process, Diane has said more than once, "Mama and Daddy would love to know that God's work is going on in this building," and um, and I just tell you this: we're gonna do that. We're going to do that. And so I, I, we're not only just following Jesus, but I, I count it a privilege to be able to honor a godly legacy as well. And so, um, man, exciting stuff. And I'm just, um, I'm so encouraged. I'm so grateful for the goodness of God. And you're yes. You're yes. Thank you for saying yes. The fruit that, we, that hasn't even shown up yet is coming. Because of your yes. All right. Who's ready to jump into the message? Somebody, you ain't preaching yet? We've been in a series called The Kings. And this is part three. And today we're talking about the life of Solomon. Moments that matter. There are moments in all of our lives that give us options. They create options for us. And it's in those moments, sometimes there's a fork in the road where we can choose to do this or do that. And how many knows it matters? Yeah. When God gives us an option, when God gives us an opportunity, when a divine moment comes along, it really matters what decision we make. 
It determines the direction of our lives. It determines the quality of our lives. And what we see over and over in the lives of the kings is more often than not, we see them taken the wrong way. But it's a, it's a teaching tool for us to learn from Scripture of like, what, is this, what do these moments look like to identify them in our lives so that we don't make the same mistakes? And we actually follow the way of Jesus. And, uh, you know, the, the older I get, the more I'm thinking about the brevity of life. I turned 40 in February. This coming February, the 9th. Go ahead and put it on your calendar so you can buy me a present. And uh, some of y'all are like, you a spring chicken boy. And some of y'all are like, 40? But I'm starting to think about, like, does this matter? Is what I'm spending my life for, is is it really mattered? Like, if where I'm putting my money, am I really putting my money toward things that matter? Am I, am I living my life in such a way where I will get to the end of my life and I'll look back and I'll have fewer regrets? Am I living my life, like the life I'm living today? How many know it's daily decisions? Is the life I'm living today setting me up to leave a legacy for my children that I actually want them to, lead, to, lead, to have? And I, I'm sure you feel the same way, even though you're not 40 yet, or maybe you're on past 40 and you're like, no, Gunner, I really get what you're talking about. And I've been walking this. And um, we see this in the life of Solomon. He was the son of David. Who heard that message last week by Stefan? Victories and failures. That, go listen to that message, good one. Uh, Solomon was the son of David. He was uh, the wisest man who ever lived. He built the temple in Jerusalem. He was, um, because of the wisdom that he had that God gave him, there was just so much, uh, of this wealth that followed Solomon. People would come from all over the world just to see what was up. Like, give me some of that wisdom. You know, let me see what God has done here. And, and it, it just really drew people in. And it started with wisdom and blessing and you think, well, man, that Solomon was one of those good kings, right? Well, toward the end of his life, the sad part is, is that even with all that wealth, even with all that blessing, even with all that wisdom and the obvious hand of God on his life, Solomon did not end well. I mean, this is the guy that wrote most of Proverbs and he didn't end well. And so it, it makes me kind of like, okay, what happened to him? I don't want to go that way. How many know you can learn from other people's failures as much as you can? They're a good example. And so there were two encounters in Solomon's life that I want to look at today. Two defining encounters in his life that marked him, that made a difference in his life. There were two visitations from God Let's read about that first one in 1 Kings 3, 5 through 15. And guys, y'all gonna have to, I'm gonna skip around probably a little bit, do the gunner paraphrase sometimes. So just FYI, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. I mean, know God speaks through dreams still, not just the Old Testament thing. And God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you've shown great and steadfast love to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. 
and you've kept for him this great and steadfast love and given him a son to sit on his throne this day. Pause. Solomon knew he was part of something bigger. Solomon knew that he was part of a promise that was made to his father. Talking about somebody got thrown into something. And now he's having this encounter with God in a dream and God comes to him and says, what you want, son? (laughs) Some of us were like, I want a dream like that. And he says, this is what I want. He says, I'm in this position of leadership. I'm, I'm leading this nation, your people, God. And I don't know if I'm coming or going. That's what he says. I don't know my way in or out. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel so inadequate for the job you've called me to. And so above everything else, what I need is wisdom and understanding. I need you to come in and help me know how to do this. And the Bible says it pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this. And he said, look, I'm not only going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for. I'm going to give you riches. I'm going to give you favor and influence and blessing. You'll be the wisest person that ever lived. When they talk about you, Solomon, there'll be nobody who ever lived that was like you and nobody after you will be like you. Because you humbled yourself and you asked me for wisdom. And then it says Solomon got up from his dream. Now get this. He doesn't see the fruit of his promise yet. He gets up and he goes to worship and he offers sacrifice and throws a, he throws a party for the servants. <laughs> That's what faith looks like, by the way. Yes, God, I'll take that. I have it. And then he walked it out. How many know wisdom is a gift, but it's also a responsibility. Wisdom is a gift from the Lord, but it's something I have to actually walk out. It's not like I'm asking for wisdom. By the way, wisdom is a blessing you can ask for. It's legal. Not only do we see it in Solomon's life, but we see it in James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God who gives generously to all without a reproach and it will be given to him. So we can ask God for wisdom and then what happens is, bam, I got wisdom. Wow, I suddenly know everything now. No, it's actually, no, it's a gift that now I have to actually, when I'm put in those positions, I have to lean on godly wisdom rather than my own way. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. That's what wisdom looks like. So wisdom is a gift, but it's also a responsibility. And any blessing in your life requires stewardship of it. So don't ask God for for more blessing if we're not stewarding what he's given us already. You need me to say that again? Don't ask God for more blessing if we're not stewarding what he's already given us. And then... Wisdom is rooted in reverence. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or knowledge. And it says fools despise wisdom and instruction. Here's what true wisdom is. It's placing everything in my life, every decision in my life, every every dream, every uh, 
every big idea that I have, every, every moment, every decision under this overarching umbrella of who God is, his nature, his character. Wisdom begins with this reverence for who he is. It begins with a reverence for who he is. The need of the hour is for the church to return to an understanding of who God is. And that's what he's doing this morning. He's breaking the chains off our minds that no, he's not just left us to our own. He's actually with us and wants us to succeed. He really does. And some of us have an orphan mindset like I've had for most of my Christian life that says God really doesn't like me. He just kind of just felt you know, compelled to love me enough to die on the cross for me. And then he's like, okay, do your best, Gunner. No, he's a good father and he's really, really close and he's really, really concerned with every single detail of my life and he's present if I'll just acknowledge him. And just like Daniela said in Serve Team Circle Up this morning, if we would bring him into our situations, if we would just acknowledge and invite him into our decisions, that's what wisdom looks like. In fact, the Bible says Jesus is wisdom itself. It's where it comes from. He's the source of wisdom. So God is love, yes, but God is holy. He's separate. He's different. And those two don't contradict each other. And there's a fear of the Lord that's returning to the church. Big C, capital C, church, but also the dwelling church where we're seeing God for who he is and it's coming and it's not this, ooh, scary Jesus. No, it's a fear of the Lord, a reverence for who he is because we're seeing him rightly again. And the more we see Jesus for who he is, the more it demands us to bow before him and lay our lives at his feet. No more, okay, thanks Jesus, I got this. No, that's not Christianity. Christianity is a laid down life at the master's feet. It's coming under a kingdom who has a king and everybody wants a king like Jesus. They just might not know it yet. But this is what it looks like. Wisdom, it's submission to the Lord. I love how John Bevere talks about the fear of the Lord. He says, it's not, the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. It's about being afraid of not being with God. It's about this is the fear of the Lord. I'm walking along my life and I come to the fork in the road and I flippantly just take whichever one I want to. And the fear is, have I left his guidance in my life? Have I left, have I walked out from under his protection, his provision, his blessing? No, I never want to do that. I never want to grieve the heart of God. Do you know that he can be grieved? Don't quench the Holy Spirit, the scripture says. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. And the most often how we do that is just we ignore him. And we make decisions and we fly off and we just do whatever without even thinking, is this your will? Is this your way? Is this how you're leading me? Just ask. Ask the Lord for wisdom and he'll give it to you but then we must walk it out. But it begins with a fear of the Lord. It begins with a reverence for who he is. And what we see in Solomon's life is he comes to these, he comes to these decisions, he comes to these moments that matter, and he doesn't have a regard for the presence of God in his life. 
and he makes his own decision and he goes his own way. None of us start out to fail. None of us start our journey with Jesus and say, you know what? I'm really going to bomb this one. Here I go. Watch this. Hold my sweet tea. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> nobody does that, but it's gradual. And that's what we see in Solomon's life. And then that leads us to the second encounter that Solomon had. And I would say that if the first encounter was a wisdom encounter, his second encounter was a warning encounter. And we find it in 1 Kings 9, verses 1 through 9. It says, as soon as Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord, that's the temple and the king's house and all that Solomon desired to build, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, now this is what he says, I have heard your prayer and your plea which you have made before me. I've consecrated this house that you've built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. In other words, Solomon, this is who I am. I'm not changing. I am faithful. I'm a firm foundation. And then the next thing he says is this, but as for you, I mean, you know, God doesn't force his way on us. He gives us a choice. He says, this is who I am. What are you going to do? And he says this, as for me, or as for you, if you walk before me as David, your father walked with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you, keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever as I promised David your father, saying you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. But if you turn aside from following me, you are your children and do not keep my commands and my statutes that I've set before you, but you go and you serve other gods and you worship them, then I'll cut off Israel from the land that I've given them. And the house that I've consecrated for my name, I'll cast it out of my sight. And Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And this house will become a heap of ruins. And everyone passing by will be astonished and will hiss. And they will say, why has the Lord done this to the land and to this house? They'll say, because they abandoned the Lord their God who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this disaster upon them. There's a promise in this dream and there's a warning in this dream. The promise is if you walk faithfully, Solomon, if you obey, if you live a life of integrity, I will establish your throne forever. But the warning is if you turn away from me, if you walk in disobedience, if you have no regard for my voice, my leading in your life, then the kingdom is going to be taken away from Israel. Time out from Israel. How many know your decisions affect more than just you? The way you walk affects your children, their children. And, and, and unfortunately, this is what we see happening in Solomon's life. The Bible says that he turned away from God. He had something like 700 wives and he started just bringing in from everywhere. They, they would bring, hey, Psalm, can I just, I know y'all are like worshiping like God, but like, can I worship my God? And Psalm's like, yeah, baby, you all right. Go ahead. And so now he's got wives that are worshiping. And then he starts taking an interest. And he, he lets things happen in his house that undermine the foundations of the house. Are you even aware of what's happening in your family? Yeah. 
Are we aware of what's happening in our church? Are we willing to acknowledge some foundations that are shaky? Are we willing to acknowledge some things, some relationships that aren't healthy? Are we willing to acknowledge that I haven't gone to my spouse and gotten right with them, but I'm sitting in church today? And I know that I'm letting things in my home, like things that we watch on TV, things that we're listening to. I know that these things aren't making us more Christ-like. They're actually undermining a foundation of everything that we really want. But it's the sneaky little, it's the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. None of us set out to end poorly. I remember when I was a kid, I'd go to the beach and... My mom, I was the only child, so mama kept her eye on me, you know. Don't lose that one baby I got, you know. So I'd be out in the water and I'd be playing, I'd be on my float or whatever out in the out in the waves. And she'd tell me, she said, You see this umbrella? You look up every once in a while, make sure you see that umbrella. Because what she knew is what I didn't know. Is that if you don't look up and you don't keep centered on that umbrella, you'll be a you'll be five hundred feet down the beach before you know it. And you're like, where's my mama? Oh, how did I get way down here? Because it's gradual. And when we, when, we get off, when we get off center, we seldom ever know it. The only way we know it is grace. And sometimes the Lord uses other people in our lives to help us realize that we're not centered. Sometimes... He gives us warnings. It may not be a dramatic dream like Solomon had, but sometimes it's these little checks in our heart of like, hey, come back. Sometimes it's going down this road of, you know, I'm doubting God, I'm doubting my faith and all this. And I read something this week that says, you know, I've been on this deconstruction journey and nothing, everything's not bad about the whole deconstruction thing. Some of the things need to be deconstructed and reconstructed. But this person said in a, online, they were writing about it and said, I've followed this road of deconstruction because of disappointment in the church and leaders and all this. And I've found myself miserable on the other end of it. And all I know to do now, because I've just stripped my life of everything is like, I just want to come back to Jesus. Yeah. But it's gradual. You may find yourself today with a bitter heart, with unforgiveness there. And you're like, but you know, they don't deserve an apology because they did this to me or she said this to me or whatever. But yet your heart, you, you keep harboring that. Yeah. Come on, we've all done this. Yeah. You keep harboring it. And, and, and what we don't know is it, 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 it's a root of bitterness that not only defiles us, but it, it defiles many. And the longer we let it sit in there, the, the more it's going to grow. It's not stagnant. It's not dormant. The longer we, the longer we, we go down the road of lust, the, the, the longer we let anger stay, it's just going to grow. And so God wants to set some people free today. I believe that with all my heart. I've been, I, I feel like he's been saying that already this morning. It's like there's some chains that are going to come off of people's minds today. 
not only for our sakes, but the sake of our children and their children. It's about legacy. It's about legacy. And what you carry, you will pass on. I know this is a heavy message this morning. Some of y'all came to get encouraged. (laughs) But what you carry and what you allow to remain will be passed on to people in your life. The people you influence, whether it's your kids or if you don't have kids, it's your friends. It's the people you do life with. You will release it. The average life expectancy for a man in the U.S. is 74.5 years. Some of y'all, that hits you. Some of y'all 20-year-olds like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The life expectancy for a woman in the U.S. is 80.2, partly because they're not as stupid as us. (laughs) All right. Where are you on that timeline? I, I want you to, yes, wrestle with this. Don't run from it. Wrestle with it. Where are you on that timeline? If I put a rope at this end of the stage and this is your birth and this is your death, where are you on that according to those stats? And the, and the reality is that none of us are promised the stats. We're never not promised our next breath. Where are you on that timeline? For some of you, it almost grieves you to think about that. For some of you, it's like, oh, if I start now, I got a whole life ahead of me. But some of you are like, I got a whole life behind me. Can I tell you there's good news for both of those folks in this room today? If you're starting off and you're about right here and you're you're feeling the prick of the Lord on your heart this morning about what really matters in life and what you've done with Jesus and what you've let him do in your life, you say, look at this, look what you've got. Look where you've got to go. Look what all God could do in your life. Why not say yes to him? Why not say yes? And then some of you, I don't want to offend anybody. (laughs) Some of you are about right here. And you look back over your life and you would tell the people, you would tell the 20-somethings, hey, you start now. You don't wait till you get to where I am. You start where you are right now, walking with Jesus. If I could go back, I would change this and this and this and this. I wouldn't have waited. How many know we can wait until, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fully surrender to God maybe when I'm out of college. And I really have my job, like my purpose. And then it's, oh, wait, well, uh, well, maybe when I get married, me and my wife, we're really just going to go after Jesus. And then, then you have kids. And then, well, if I was in a better job, if I had this, if I had that, maybe when I'm, maybe when I'm retired, I have more time. I have more energy to give to Jesus. And then there's no time left. And I don't mean to be morbid, but the time is ticking away and nobody can stop it. (laughs) 
And that's not a hopeless thing. That is a hopeful thing because whether you're here and you got a whole life ahead of you in this defining moment that you're sitting in literally right now could change the rest of your life if you just said yes to Jesus and yes, said yes to his will and his way in your life. It could change everything and change generations. But if you're on this part right here and you say, I got so much regret and I wish I'd done things different. Listen, you can start today too. Do you know that Franz Schubert, who are my classical geeks in here, Franz Schubert, the last year of his life was the most fruitful year of his life. He was 30 years old. He wrote the most amazing music the last year of his life. You look at Moses, 80 years old when he led the people out of, Israel, I mean, out of Egypt. Don't think you're too old to make a difference. Don't think you've already lived your life. God's just getting started with you. And he can, the good thing about this, you know, he's the same one that, that, that multiplied the loaves and fishes. He can multiply those years. All he needs is your yes. And your influence and your life counts for more than just these years that you're on this earth. Because there are other generations that you influence and you live a legacy. If you live with, if you do it Jesus' way, you can leave a legacy that impacts generations. You're going to impact generations regardless. But we want to leave a legacy for Jesus. So, how do you wrap up a message like this? I think that there are probably some people in the room or watching online that you just need to give your life to Jesus. You just need to, get, just need to do it. It's not about religion. It's not about church. It's about actually saying, Jesus, I can't do this by myself, and I need you. I need your grace, and what you did on the cross for me is enough. I don't understand. I, I don't know how, if I can even do it. I'm, that's why I'm asking you to come into my life, rearrange me from the inside out, change me. And guess what? He will do it. Following Jesus will change your life, but you have to take the first step. You know what the first step in the Bible was? Not one time did anybody say, raise your hand if you'd like to give your heart to Jesus. <laughs> Could you see Paul? Like Peter's like 3,000 on Pentecost. And everybody, bow your heads real quick. Eyes closed. Ma'am, I see you looking around. Raise your hand if you'd like to know. You know what it was? Baptism. That was the line in the sand, man. Not only to people around you, but to the powers of darkness. It's like, I'm going under the water, identifying with Jesus. I'm not the same person anymore. Some of y'all have been walking with Jesus, filling this thing out, and you've yet to make that decision. You've yet to go under the waters of baptism and identify with Jesus. And you know how to do that? We don't have a tub today, but we can do it next week. TheDwellingChurch.org slash baptism. Sign up. Just sign up. I'll reach out to you. I'll have a conversation with you. See where you're at in your life. We'll do it. Yeah. Don't wait around anymore. Yeah. 
Been waiting five, six years. Well, I'm going to try this church plant thing out. But you're not following Jesus. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Worship team, come on up. Somebody like, thank you, Jesus. But Jesus won't leave you alone when you leave either, just FYI. He's going to keep speaking to you. There's a, an opportunity that I had in Honduras back when I was a college student. And um, a few of you in, in the room have actually met this man. His name was Pastor Dario. Pastor Dario grew up in Olanchito, Honduras. In the 1960s, a man who was saved in the Jesus movement um, moved to Olanchito because God called him there. And he led five young men to the Lord. And Dario was one of those men. And he discipled them. And he says, here's how you walk with Jesus. Here's a Bible. Let me sit with you. Let's, let's study the Bible together. Let's pray together. What you got going on in your life? I want to be that person for you. I want to be that person that's just a friend to you and, a and just decide. This, this guy discipled these five guys. Dario was one of these men. Dario, years later, he plants his own church. By the time that I met Dario, that church, which by the way, had one, at the time had one block, built, one block wall in the back. It was a tin roof no other walls. Their upgrade was they got ceiling fans down the, down the middle of the church. By the time I met Dario, Dario single-handedly had planted 30 churches out of that cement block church. Because Dario would hike up into the mountains. I mean, it's kind of jungle out there, you know, like he'd hike, he'd hike up into the mountains and at this point, he was like 70 years old, still doing it. Hike up into the mountains, come into a village. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. He'd share the gospel. Have you ever given your life to Jesus? No. Two, three people get saved in the village. And one of them, he'd say, okay, you're the pastor. And we're planting a church here. And before long, the village will come to the Lord. And he would do that over and over and over again. He did it 30 times. And then he, he had a little place built in the, in, in, in the mountains where they'd come. It was like a training center. It was like a warehouse where he'd bring those pastors and bring those leaders back. And he'd sit them down and he'd, 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 they'd teach them the Bible and they'd equip them how to lead and they'd equip them how to teach people the Bible. And then he'd send them out again. And they go back to their little mud huts, churches, and preach the gospel and grow their church and lead people to Jesus and train up the next generation. And at the end of that trip, that first trip, I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. This is what I know about this man. I've heard the stories. I've seen discipleship probably for the first time in my life. generational Dario goes down the line he's shaking hands he's like love you thank you for coming thank you for coming he gets to me 
and he looks me in those in the eyes with his piercing eyes and he puts his hands on my arms and he says remain faithful now coming from old Joe Schmo over here that might not have meant much but coming from Dario Delarca there was a legacy packed in those words there were years of suffering packed in those words. There were years of dying to self packed in those words. And for me, I couldn't walk away the same after that. Literally hear those things. When I want to quit, I hear Dario saying, remain faithful. We all want to leave a legacy like that, don't we? You know when it starts? 11:18 on Sunday right now can we stand don't let don't let a habit rob you of that don't let an addiction rob you of that kind of life don't let unforgiveness rob you of that kind of life. Fill in the blank. Whatever that hangup is that you carried in here today, that has the potential, if you let it, to rob you of a legacy that God wants to birth in your life, to impact generations through. Right now where you are, every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to just tell God what it is that you want him to do in your life right now. Lord, this is what I want because I can't do it myself. And I need your grace. I'm dependent upon your power, your grace this morning. Now in your own words, in your own way, just surrender that to the Lord. Now I want you to ask him, Lord, what's my first step? What are you calling me to do in response today? I trust your ability to hear him. I believe he's speaking right now. Okay, look at me now. Everybody look at me. What he just told you is your fork. Whatever he just spoke in your heart is your fork in the road. You can do it. Or you don't have to. But if you want what we've been talking about today, walk, in, walk it out. Walk in obedience. Amen. Father, we thank you that you're so good to not leave us on our own, to our own devices, to our own ideas about how we should live. But Lord, you've given us a clear path. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. And we want nothing more. Jesus, we want to walk your road. Give us grace today to obey. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. God loves you with an everlasting love.
You are blessed. You have grace to walk it out. Be blessed in Jesus' name. We'll see you next Sunday. Love you. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.